Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. This week's sermon is taken from Mark 2, 1 through 12. Pastor Brad Britton walks us through the paralyzed man on the mat and how the power of Christ's forgiveness helped him to get up and walk. Pastor Britton also begs the question, who are we in life? Are we truly bearing the image of Christ and helping those around us get up and walk? So Jesus said, so you know that I have this authority, I say to you, son, stand up, take up your mat, and go home. And then in a moment, it happened. He took the very thing that was holding him up all those years and took power over it and walked out the door. I can just see him grinning from ear to ear. He looked the Son of God square in the eye and been told that his sins are forgiven and then he now he's able to walk and he's he's going home and as people look at him they think he's grinning because because he can walk again but really he's probably grinning because he'd been forgiven today's scripture is from mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 when he returned to capernaum after some days it was reported he was at home so many gathered around that there was no longer room for them not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Child, your sins are forgiven.'" Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God, help us to hear a word of hope and grace and love and what you say to us and through us. And as always, may it make a real difference in how we live our lives and treat others. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, it's said that Jesus was at home. If you read through the Gospels, you don't see that very often. Jesus is usually just on the move. He's going from here to there, and he's not at home. Uh, we don't know if this was necessarily his home or if it was just home. You have those friends that you can just come over anytime, you go through the back door, don't even bother with the doorbell. You're just home and you walk in and you go straight to the refrigerator. You don't even have to say hi to them, right? You just, you're home. Was it that kind of home or, or, or was it really kind of his home? It, and if it was his home, what would Jesus's house be like? Um, did he have a grill on the patio? Was it charcoal, propane, 
Did he have a pellet grill? Did he have a sprinkler system? Was he in an HOA? I hope not, but maybe. Uh, what, what was his yard like? Did he have flowers? Were there trees? Was there jasmine in the front? I mean, who doesn't like jasmine? And all these people came crowding. You couldn't even get inside the, the house. It was so crowded. And Jesus is in there. He's teaching so many people. Don't know what he was saying, but you can just see the expression on his face when he feels something land on his head, and it's a little bit of dirt. And he, he doesn't think anything of it at first. He, he keeps talking, and then it happens again and again, and he finally looks up, and a hole is beginning to emerge in the roof. And he thinks to himself, now we had that hailstorm last year, and I finally got things settled with the insurance and got the new roof, and now this. And the hole gets bigger and bigger. Everyone is wondering what's, what's happening here. They look up, and as you look up through the hole, it's not one person, but two, three, four. And they're carrying a man, a paralytic, on a mat. What in the world is happening? And who are these people? You know, the text actually says four of them brought a paralytic to Jesus. And the, the normal interpretation for this is these are four friends of the paralytic, but it doesn't say that. Let's assume they're not friends. What if they had heard that Jesus was healing people and they see this paralytic who they've known in the community and they're like, hey, let's, let's experiment with him. Let's just take him to Jesus and see if this works. Can you imagine what that would have been like for the paralytic? Like, what am I, an experiment? Now, chances are they were probably friends. That's how I would probably read it, because who would go to such lengths to make something like that happen? I mean, climbing the roof. Now, houses in those days would have a courtyard area, so it would kind of open up into this area. Uh, be a flat roof. Uh, there'd be a ladder on the side of the house going up to the roof. It'd be earthen material, so just picture that flat earthen material, Yet they still did it. They went to extremes. They just went for it. They're like, why not? You know, sometimes you got to live that way, don't you? Just why not? Let's go for it. You know, your team's down in overtime 31 to 30, hypothetically. You're playing against one of the greatest programs in the history of college football. Do you kick the extra point or, or do you go for the win? What do you do? Go Tigers, you win, yes. <laughs> yes. It's game six. It's the World Series. Oh, we can win it the next one if it doesn't work out. No, you win the game. Any Astros fans? Yeah. No. Well, I worked for the Texas Rangers in high school, so congratulations. Uh, sometimes you just got to go for it. And so they did. And you can just see them lowering their friend down at the feet of Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says, it said he saw their faith, thinking of the four. And he says to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Really? They went to all that trouble and it's obvious they brought him there to be healed. And you say, hi there, your, sons are for, uh, your son, uh, sins are forgiven. It's all good. Now, if I'm the paralytic, I'm like, 
Really? What? But when you think about it, is there anything better that any of us could hear than that? Daughter, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. You ever see the movie Gran Torino, Clint Eastwood, anybody? It's a great movie. Uh, he was uh, played the character Walt, who was a retired uh, veteran, lived in a suburb of Detroit, and uh, was in the neighborhood and just, just not a pleasant person at all. He had lost his wife, and the two things that mattered to him most in life were his dog Daisy and the Gran Torino 1972 model. And his neighbor, a teenage boy, was being recruited by a gang, and part of the conditions to be accepted by the gang was to steal the Gran Torino. So if you remember the movie, he tries to steal it, doesn't work, and over the course of the movie, they actually become friends, and you see Walt's life changing throughout the movie. You know, most of his life, he'd been racist and lots of other things, and you see this changing in each portion of the movie. Well, the rival gang came and attacked his neighbor, Teo, and their family. So the last scene of the movie, Clint Eastwood is going to this rival gang, and they're at this house. And you're thinking, if you've seen a Clint Eastwood movie, how's this going to end? Do you feel lucky? Remember that one? Dirty Harry? And that's what you think's going to happen, but instead he's out there in the yard, and he puts his hands in his pockets of his coat, and what he's going to do is he's going to make it look like he's drawing a gun so that they'll shoot him, and that will kind of protect Tao and his family, because they will be obviously arrested. And sure enough, he pulls his hand out of his pocket, and it's a cigarette lighter. Well, they shoot him, and as he's there on the ground, the, the, the last scene, he's actually on the ground in the shape of a cross. It's just amazing when you think of this actor, Clint Eastwood, which every other movie, it was, you're going to get yours at the end, just wait. And in this one, the message is, at some point, somebody has to stop the violence and put an end to it. As Christians, that's an obvious reference to what happened to Christ as He died for us on the cross. He said, enough is enough, and you're forgiven, and there's grace. So maybe that was a big deal when Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Well, the scribes got in on it. They were questioning and said they were questioning in their hearts. And Jesus could just tell by their body language, like, okay, I know what they're thinking. And they were thinking, what gives this guy the right to forgive sin? And so Jesus said, so you know that I have this authority. I say to you, son, stand up, take up your mat, and go home. And then in a moment, it happened. He took the very thing that was holding him up, all those years and took power over it, over it and walked out the door. And, and I, I can just see him grinning from ear to ear. He looked the Son of God square in the eye and been told that his sins are forgiven, and then he, now he's able to walk and he's 
He's going home, and as people look at him, they think he's grinning because, because he can walk again, but really he's probably grinning because he'd been forgiven. You know, it's these stories in Scripture, you wonder what happened to him after. It's like, that's, that's the last we hear of the paralytic. In fact, we don't even know his name. But I wonder if he was there when Jesus was riding on the donkey into Jerusalem. Remember the triumphal entry? I wonder if he was there among the crowd, and who else was there waving a palm branch? Maybe Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus had to climb a sycamore tree? He was the tax collector that cheated everybody, and well, he experienced God's grace and forgiveness in Christ, changed his life. I wonder if Zacchaeus was there waving a branch. Or the woman caught in adultery. You remember that story from John 8? They were ready to stone her and do away with her. What did Jesus say? He said, well, you without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? And then what happened? Thud after thud after thud after thud as the rocks are dropped. She's there alone with Jesus and he forgives her and calls her to a a new life. Maybe she was there next to Zacchaeus waving her palm branch. And then there he is, our friend, right on the edge of the line. There's the paralytic, and he doesn't need his mat anymore. Remember, the mat's behind him, and he's there with a branch. And if you look close enough, if you really look close enough, you might even see yourself. You're standing there with your palm branch, too. And you can't believe that you've been forgiven as well. And you're grinning from ear to ear, just like the paralytic, as the one who would go all the way to the cross rides right directly in front of you. And then if you look a little further on, you know who else we could see? Maybe in a different way today, we could see the saints who have gone on before us. Maybe you see a great-grandparent, a grandparent, a parent, even a child, God forbid. And they're waving a branch too, and, and you can't even describe the expression on their face because they're on the other side of this, and, and it's a beautiful thing. In a minute, we're going to read some names, and these aren't just names. These are the names of those in our church community who passed away this previous year. Some of you may know these names and people. Maybe you were one that maybe carried them at some point, or vice versa. Maybe they carried you. But either way, when we read the names, they're not just names. They are souls They are saints set apart. And one day, you know, my name's going to be read at a church service. Your name's going to be read at an all saints service. And someone is going to play some music or ring a bell for you, for me. And I think the question to ask is at the very end when the bell tolls for us, Is it going to toll for someone that would go to the lengths of picking someone up on a mat? 
and go into the trouble of bringing them to the feet of Christ himself. So who are you going to be? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Because you do have a choice, all of us. So now, as we prepare for this, let's take a moment of silent prayer, and let's think about in our own lives those who've gone before us and give thanks to God for them. So let's do that for a minute. God, we thank you for those near and dear to us who are no longer with us. We give you thanks that they are resting in your arms of grace today and that we can all have life because you said so in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.